This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Uh, the good news is the Mets are in the pennant race. All right. We are alive. We have a shot. We have a pulse. The bad news is the last handful of games has aged all of us from Edwin Diaz blowing the game on Friday night and then the Mets miraculously winning it to somehow the Mets making history by blowing a nine-run lead. And I didn't see that one coming. You know, when Edwin Diaz comes into a two-run game, the idea of him blowing a save is not foreign. It's not crazy. We've seen it happen. We've seen it happen in Washington, D.C. We've seen it happen everywhere. But to have a 9 nothing lead in a seven-inning game, you know, one of these the seven-inning game situations, and blow a lead like that was insanely epic. You know, it's funny. I hate to admit this. Early in the game, as the Mets are piling on runs and Brandon Nimmo stealing a base up seven, I'm thinking to myself, save a few. You have a second game of a doubleheader, save a few. Little did I know they were going to need every ounce of that to keep the game tied and then eventually win it in the extra innings of nine. And I'm stunned they won it. Because quite frankly, after Andrew Stevenson hit that two-run home run, and now the Nationals are set up after the Mets can't score in the eighth inning, I was absolutely stunned that Trevor May was able to get through it. And good for him. I thank God he did. And then obviously Francisco Lindor hits a big home run. I'm not going to give the, the BS of, oh, this is his Met moment. This is the moment he becomes a Met. Trust me, he's got a long way to go. Francisco Lindor has had game-winning hits this year. Uh, saving the Mets' ass from blowing a 9-0 lead in game one of a doubleheader while huge, while important, was not his get-his-wings moment for the Mets. Thank God they won the game. I mean, this had every feeling of that 2019 game when Kurt Suzuki hit the game winner. Everything about it felt the same. But somehow they survive. Heath Hembree gets the last three outs, and we survive game one. I don't want to spend that much time on that because I do want to spend some time complaining about this ridiculous lineup Luis Rojas put out for game two. I mean, I understand that now the Mets are in it. You know, they're in the race. They've got a month to go in the season, a little bit less than a month to go in the season. They have made up a, a great amount of ground over the last week, it's amazing to think they were eight and a half games back, and now they have basically cut that in half. And that's great. That's incredible. And there's a long way to go, and they still have to basically win every single day. But they have gotten themselves back alive. As a Met fan, all of us can at least say 
hey, this is meaningful September baseball. I hate to use that phrase, but it's true. Now, you go lose three or four in a row, they're out of it again. They're D-E-D dead again. I get that. But in this moment, on this Labor Day weekend, they're alive. But you've got to explain to me, and I didn't even wait for Luis Rojas's post game after game two to hear it, because quite frankly, there's no excuse that works. How the hell do you not have Francisco Lindor and Javier Baez in the lineup for game two? How is that possible? The only thing that would have been a fair excuse is if they were hurt, if they were like Brandon Nimmo, who unfortunately is going on the IL. More on that in a few minutes. But obviously, we saw Lindor pinch hit in the seventh. We saw Baez pinch hit in the seventh. They're healthy enough to hit. They were healthy enough to finish game one of the doubleheader. They could have and they should have played game two. Because this was a punt game. That's the way Luis Rojas managed it. That's the way he managed it when the lineup was put into place before the game. That's the way he managed it when he basically said to Tyler McGill, you're giving me six innings. Dude, I'm not going to the bullpen. I have this weird rule that I can't pitch a guy in both games of a doubleheader. By the way, the Washington Nationals are going nowhere through Kyle Finnegan in both games of the doubleheader. Just so you know. But who cares? Doesn't matter. So you had Luis Rojas treating game two as if it was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Yeah, we'll see. Great. We win. Great. We lose. No big deal. That's the way he managed it. And it boggles my mind. This is still not a team that can treat any game as a punt game. This isn't May. This isn't June. And the other thing is, Francisco Lindor just missed five weeks of the season. Ooh, he can't play 16 innings in a day. There's like 35 games left in the season. How could we look at a game on Labor Day weekend, the second game of a doubleheader, and say, look, the Mets, we don't have an off day for God knows how long. We got to give them the second half of this day off. Why? Why? I'm not asking anybody to play 162 games. I get it. That era's over. I'm not asking for that. I'm asking for the fact it's the second game of a doubleheader. Every game matters. We have to treat it as such. And yet, this manager thought it was a good idea to take two of his best players and put them on the bench. And that's already knowing Brandon Nimmo's out of the lineup because he's hurt. So look, this lineup the Mets put out there for Game 2 is still a better lineup than the Nationals lineup. This is still a game they should have and could have won. Absolutely. But why by choice, when you're already down Brandon Nimmo, would you actually make the decision to not play both Javi Baez and Francisco Lindor? Look, honestly, I thought one of them would sit. And I'd have bitched about that. But somehow you decide I'm not playing either one of them? I mean, that one ticked me off. The, the McGill thing, let me address this, because I'm sure there'll be some people complaining that Luis let him hit in the fifth inning. And look, when the fifth inning came around and the Mets are down 2-1, to one, I was 50-50 on this as a fan. Because a part of me said, look, McGill has been pitching a lot better. All I need to do is get a couple more innings out of him. Let me just throw out the leadoff out. Because also at that point, you're probably not using Lindor or Baez. 
because you're saving them for a bigger spot or later in the game. So if you're deciding not to go with Lindor or Baez, and look, you could have, I understand that, but if you decided not to use Baez or Lindor, now you're looking at Blankenhorn or Mazika. So it's not exactly like you had these great choices off the bench. So I leaned a little bit towards keeping McGill in the game. Now here's where it looks bad, and I admit it. The fact that after he strikes out meekly in the fifth, he then comes back in the bottom of the fifth and gives up an atrocious two-run home run to Alcides Escobar, which you knew was going to be the difference in this game. You just knew that. You knew that even if the Mets rally a little bit, even if the Mets come back just a little tad, that that is going to be the difference, that that's going to be the thing that kills you in this game. And it was. And it was. And so, look, the Mets have just had a great run. All right, They won six in a row or seven in a row, depending on how you want to analyze it. I guess for the history books, it's only a six-game winning streak. But for all intents and purposes, it was a seven-game winning streak with that suspended game. And you weren't going to win them all. Eventually, you're going to lose. I get it. I just don't like how they lost this game. I don't like that. That's the thing that ticks me off, especially when as a manager, you make the choice to keep two of your better hitters out of the lineup. That's the thing that pisses me off. And Josh Rogers, who's on the ropes in the first inning, you get the first three guys on base, and yes, you get a run in, but Davis and Pilar striking out in huge spots when good contact scores a run, that was also a killer in this game. And look, the thing that's bothered us and the thing that's hurt the Mets all year long is that first and third, nobody out, and you can't score a run. And that was a thing that almost cost them on Friday night too. Because before Diaz blew that game, how many missed opportunities did this team have? And that's why, here's the moral of the story. All right, here's what I'm getting at as we sit here with a 68 and 68 win team, but a team that's within striking distance of first place in the National League East. Let's all be honest with ourselves. Okay, I am ecstatic that they pulled off a seven-game winning streak. I am. I certainly didn't see it coming after everything that happened with basically the way the team was playing and sure, throwing the whole thumbs-down situation and the embarrassment of Zach Scott. Like I don't think any of us as Met fans thought, even despite the schedule softening, that they were just going to rattle off seven in a row. But here's the truth. We can't trust this team. We can't trust this manager, as proven in game two of the doubleheader. We can't trust this closer, as was shown on Friday night, and a lot throughout his tenure. We can't trust other guys in this bullpen. Hello, Seth Lugo. Hello, Miguel Castro. And we can't clutch the thing that's hurt this team for the last year and a half from rearing its ugly head on a night-in and night-out basis, and that's the inability to get a big hit. Game one, they did. I give them credit for that. Game one, they pounded the baseball. They jumped out to a 9-0 lead and somehow showed the poise, even after blowing that 9-0 lead, to still win the game 11-9. But the manager, the closer, the lack of clutch hitting, how could any of us trust that over the final four weeks of this season, they're going to overcome those things enough to win this division. 
So you want to call me negative? Fine. I'm, I guess I'm negative. I also just would call myself as someone who's calling what I see. Now, how do I feel right now? I'm thrilled that they're back in the race. I'm thrilled that the Philadelphia Phillies have reminded us that they are human as they blew a lead in Miami against the Marlins. I'm thrilled that the wild card race has also come into fruition with the way the San Diego Padres have struggled, with the way the Cincinnati Reds have come back to earth. Like, there are two avenues to somehow making the postseason. But if we're all being honest with ourselves, they are long shots. And something that happened today that also will make it more of a long shot is this injury to Brandon Nimmo. You know, Craig said something to me off air about sports. Usually it's not about sports. But Craig said, boy, you know, Brandon Nimmo's had a really good year. And I looked at him and said, yes, he has when he's played. And to me, that's the story of Brandon Nimmo. Now, I'm not ripping him for getting hurt. I don't, I'm not ripping Mekhi Becton for getting hurt. But it is true that if you're not on the field, that's a problem. And Brandon Nimmo's history with this franchise and histories with this team is that he's had a very difficult time of staying on the field. Last year is a weird year to look at because it was only 60 games. So I know we've kind of looked at those numbers for all players and said, ah, can you really take it seriously? Last year, he played 55 of 60 games. But again, you put that to the side. He missed most of 2019. He played most of 2018. He missed a big chunk of 2017. And right now, if he doesn't play another game, and who knows if he will, he just went on the IL on September 4th. He is at 76 games. So even if he does come off the IL, he will have missed half the season. And it's a killer. Because one adjustment Luis Rojas has made that has worked is VR leading off and Nimmo batting too. It's been great. And that's out the window. So the Nimmo injury sucks. It sucks for him. It sucks for us. It means Kevin Pilar is going to play a lot of center field. I wonder... And I'm wondering this aloud because it will be atrocious defensively. But do you consider an outfield <laughs> of Jeff McNeil, Dom Smith, and Michael Conforto? That would mean probably Dom in left, Conforto in center, McNeil in right. I know it's not ideal. But if you're looking to maximize your offense, despite the fact that Kevin Pillar did hit a two-run home run in game two with his doubleheader, I should point that out, and of course had a big hit on Friday night. But will you give up enough defensively or too much defensively by having that as your outfield? But that's some of the questions you have now with Brandon Nemo out and who knows when he's going to come back. So overall, in recap, it's great. They're alive. I have been sucked in. I do want to confirm that. The sucking has occurred. I'm glued to Braves Rockies. I'm glued to Phillies Marlins. I'm obviously glued to Met games. And I'm hopeful. Am I confident? No. No. And by the way, if you are confident, if you are a Met fan right now saying, I am confident we are going to win the NL East, I would just wonder why. Like, I've given you my reasons why I'm not confident. Like, what besides just needing that to get you through the day? Besides just being a, a hopeful, happy person, which I respect. But factually, Anything you've watched over the first 136 games, as we had this final stretch of games, why the hell would you think they're going to make the playoffs? 
Thank you for listening to this instant reaction edition of the Evan Roberts podcast. Card and I are back Tuesday at 2 o'clock on The Fan.